The way we consume and share news today is largely rooted in social media. Oh, that's a reason why it's important for us to look at what's being discussed online. From the hottest issues or trends for our daily social media minute, we're joined by Yerika. Good morning. Good morning. Still in Busan. It looks really sunny outside. Um, the sun is coming up as we... Well, it, it, it's up, actually. <laughs> it's been up for the past 30 minutes. It's kind of like... Um, there's a bit of it's it's a little cr- cloudy yeah. out there today. Yeah. Um, but I can still see the sun above the horizon, oh. and uh, it, it's nice waking up to the sound of uh, waves crashing. Stop it! <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for joining us. Now. Okay. Speaking of sunshine, mm, I don't like that segue, but the remains of Mr. Sunshine has returned home after 100 years. Uh, Some folks who may be attached to the TV series and its popularity might be unaware that, yes, in fact, there is a real life inspiration behind its lead character, Eugene Choi. That's right. Uh, So the remains of this uh, Korean independence fighter, his name is Hwang Gi-hwan are coming home 100 years after his death in New York. That's where we're talking about the story today. And like you just mentioned, uh, Hwang Gi-hwan was the real-life inspiration for the character Yu Jin-che, uh, played by Lee Byung-hun in the 2018 uh, hit television series, Mr. Sunshine. And uh, in the show, he is a Korean-American U.S. Marine Corps officer who returns to Korea and uh, ends up helping his fellow independence fighters Mm -hmm. Uh, thwart a looming Japanese invasion in the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, The show was uh, successful as soon as it dropped. I mean, uh, the star-studded cast, the star screenwriter, the the budget for it, the whole whole works, in fact. It was actually widely popular, not just locally, but internationally. I do wonder, uh, where was Hong Gyeon buried all this time? And is it getting maybe more, perhaps more spotlight (laughs) thanks to the popularity of the TV series? I think so okay. I think so definitely the, the TV was a huge hit it was on Netflix yeah. um, and it was uh, aired on a local uh, television network here in Korea now uh, he has been buried all this time at the Mount Olivet Cemetery in Queens New York mm-hmm. in the US and uh, the Ministry of Patriots and Veterans Affairs shared the news yesterday that it has agreed or it has come to an agreement after a, a long battle uh, with the cemetery to exhume his body finally and uh, bring the remains home. Okay, so maybe it's been a, a long series of back and forth that we didn't get the details of until now. Why are his remains being brought back now in in the course of this long battle? Yes, good question. Uh, so the South Korean government had tried to bring back the remains uh, here to Korea since 2013, mm. uh, but apparently there needs to be family approval uh, in order to exhume the body. I guess it does make sense, you know, okay. but uh, he doesn't have any living family left mm. uh, based on records. Uh, and so the cemetery insisted that the government 
uh, come up with a court order. Mm. Now, the ministry filed lawsuits with the New York court mm. in 2019, as well as last year, but failed to obtain court approval. I wonder why court approval was not yeah. uh, given. Uh, do we have an explanation now? Yes, again, I briefly mentioned it, but uh, it was because uh, there was a lack of official records okay. to confirm that Huang currently has no living family. Mm. Yes, yeah, so together with the Korean Consulate General in New York, uh, the ministry continued to push the cemetery to grant Koreans the wish to bring back the patriot back to his motherland. Mm. And uh, thankfully, it recently got a go-ahead. It just sounds like a lot of paperwork and a lot of back and forth. Yep. It would be them trying to review all relevant documents in, in, in parts of the United States, parts of South Korea, translating it, getting an affidavit, getting the court's approval. So I can understand yep. why it took so long. Uh, where will be Hwang uh, Ki-wan laid to rest once his remains do return home? Uh, well, first, there's going to be a ceremony uh, led by the government. And then after that, he will be buried at the Daejeon National Cemetery. Okay, uh, let's maybe revisit Hwang Ki-wan's legacy. I mean, sure, you may have watched the TV adaptation of his story, but his life, his real life, <laughs> might have been even more dramatic than what the TV drama was able to capture. Sure. So he was born in Suncheon, not down south here in South Korea, but uh, Suncheon in Pyeongannam-do province, which is now part of North Korea. Uh, he moved to the United States in 1904 uh, in his late teens, where he voluntarily joined the U.S. Army during World War I. Uh, he rescued a number of wounded soldiers on the front lines in Europe. And in June of 1919, he moved to France and helped the Korean representative to the Paris Peace Conference. Uh, the Korean representative was later reorganized as the Korean Committee, and uh, Huang was appointed its Secretary General. Uh, he engaged in diplomatic efforts for Korea's independence from Japan. Now, he died of a heart attack in New York in 1923, and his grave was uh, found by Koreans only in 2008, so pretty recently, actually. Okay. Uh, and uh, his uh, grave was found at the West Lawn of the Mount Olivet Cemetery in Queens. Okay, and now he'll be returning home after 100 years. That's quite the yes. journey. Yep. Let's move on to our second buzzword of the day. I did a double take on this story because I couldn't believe what I was seeing with my own eyes. If you listen yep. to the whole story, it will make sense. A recent study has indicated that the dreamy haze in Monet's Impressionist paintings, well, it's not just light reflecting off of, I don't know, everything else. It's industrial air pollution. That's I know. I, I, I did a double take when I saw the, the title uh, as well. It's so interesting, isn't it? <laughs> well, this new study has analyzed the changes in style and color in nearly 100 paintings by Claude Monet and Joseph Mallard William Turner, who was one of the most prolific um, you know, British artists. And uh, they're known for their impressionistic art. Now, both artists lived during Western Europe's Industrial Revolution in the 18th and 19th mm -hmm. centuries. And this study found that over time, an industrial air pollution increased throughout both these artists' careers and skies in their paintings became hazier and hazier. <laughs> Funny how that works, right? Suddenly it's telling an entirely different story. I was thinking it's very ethereal and beautiful, although <laughs> if you've seen a sun penetrate through a hazy sky, it is quite ethereal. Is it 
good for our lungs? Probably not. Okay, so impressionist painters are known to be extremely sensitive to changes in light, changes in environment. It does make sense that they would be very sensitive to not only natural changes in the environment, but also man-made changes in the heart of the Industrial Revolution. That's right. Now, the early Industrial Revolution, it, it dramatically changed the lives of people and also the skies of London and Paris, uh, which were the, uh, the painters' respective hometowns. And uh, coal-burning factories increased employment opportunities, but also severely polluted the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Now, as we all know, because we are living through it right now, air pollutants can heavily alter uh, the appearance of landscapes in ways visible to the naked eye so aerosols can absorb both uh, can both absorb and scatter radiation from the sun mm-hmm. and uh, this decreases the contrast between objects uh, making them blend in more and uh, aerosols also scatter visible light of all wavelengths mm-hmm. uh, which leads to wider hues actually so in one of turner's most famous works titled rain steam and speed the great western railway uh, he paints a train that is about to run over a hare, which is which is the fastest land animal mm-hmm. in England. And details in the painting are rather difficult to discern because a haze and mist obscure much the painting. And we now know that it's hazy because that is one of the outcomes of the growing air pollution. <laughs> there's nothing romantic about it. And I guess no. because they're so aesthetically pleasing and, and, and beautiful, this is not one of the conclusions that I would have naturally jumped to unless there was an extensive I, study on it. And studies indicate, yes, in fact, air pollution was part of these artworks. My correct. goodness. So correct. according to this latest study, the haziness in the painting was not a fluke. It's not a one-off incident. It went on as the Industrial Revolution progressed. Yes, exactly. You know, the study used a mathematical model uh, to look at uh, 60 paintings by Turner and uh, 38 paintings by Monet. And uh, this model looked at how sharp the outlines of objects were compared to the background. Um, So less contrast meant hazier conditions. Now, researchers found that around 61% of the contrast changes in the paintings largely tracked with increasing sulfur dioxide levels uh, in the air during that time period. Uh, The team also assessed visibility, and they found that the visibility in Turner's paintings before 1830 averaged about 25 kilometers, but decreased to 10 kilometers after the year 1830. And in several of Monet's paintings, the farthest visible object was estimated to be about one kilometer away. (laughs) So not really good to sight into a far off distance. The next time you go to an art museum to check out their paintings, now you know stuff that you didn't know before. Is ignorance bliss? I don't know, because I feel like now what I'm going to see is entirely different. Uh, There's a series of letters that the Tate Art Museum has always had up on display, but it goes on to share that Claude Monet was one morning terrified when he looked outside and saw a scene across London landscape that worried him. No fog, clear skies. Right. And then he realized once the factories began running, fires were lit, smoke and haze and industrial pollution returned, he thought, ah, Ah, now I can paint. 
<laughs> yeah, um, you know, the d details surrounding this industrial revolution and, uh, you know, ensuing pollution are reflected in some of his letters to his wife as well. Mm. Look at that. Some things uh, to check out. The more you know, the more you see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On to our final story of the day, Boy Band Stray Kids is a headline of a pretty big festival over in Paris, France. That's right. It's official. Boy Band Stray Kids will headline the 2023 Lollapalooza Paris. And that's a first for a K-pop act. Yeah. Um, Lollapalooza Paris will be held from July 21st through the 23rd at the Hippodrome Paris Longchamp uh, horse racing facility. And uh, the eight-member group will be the headliners on the opening day, along with Rosalia and Kendrick Lamar. So we've heard Lollapalooza. There's a U.S leg of this this is the french yeah. equivalent uh it, it goes to major cities around the world and it has been pretty popular since its uh well beginnings 1991 yeah. stray kids is currently on a world tour so i guess they're not <laughs> stopping Right. So the band is set to perform two concerts in Bangkok, Thailand on Thursday and Friday, mm -hmm. uh, today and tomorrow. And uh, they will continue with performances in Singapore, Australia, the Philippines and the United States. Now, the band will also release its first Japanese full length album, The Sound, on February 22nd, a little later this month. Um, yeah, and this is the first. Uh, well, actually, they did hold the Lollapalooza Paris last year but for two years in 2020 and 2021 they were canceled because of COVID-19 mm. and uh, last year's concert was big uh, some of the big names to headline the festival last year included Pearl Jam, <laughs> David Guetta, mm. Mona Skin, Val and Megan Thee Stallion. It's not such a bad performance to be a part of isn't it? It's kind of <laughs> high profile events so right. good for stray kids and yep. excellent for the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Erica. Have a wonderful day and yourself and I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.